0: I am Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts: I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Louis Espinosa. Louis is a 31-year-old, second-year medical student, a burgeoning philosopher physician, and a runner. He has stood out amongst my classmates as a human with lived experience and earned wisdom. During this conversation, you'll learn about the death of his grandfather, as well as his Portuguese friend, Anibal, his setbacks and obstacles while growing up and attaining his education, and his joy of life throughout it all. Before we talk a little bit more about Louis and how awesome this conversation is, it's a great one, I want to talk about M and Wad, mobility and mindfulness work of the day. And this is the overarching project uh, that encompasses On Death podcast, what you're listening to right now, as well as my long form reflections of uh, medical school. So every week I post a uh, couple hundred word uh, reflection on the past week on every Sunday, and uh, that's been from the first anatomy lab to now, which is uh, deep into second year, almost the end of second year, actually. To be honest. And uh, about two weeks ago, I self-diagnosed a minor concussion. I utilized my high-quality Morsani College of uh, (laughs) Medicine-educated history and physical taking. I um, sort of, you'll just check it out, on a minor concussion. And uh, that was about two weeks ago, published on February 19th. And that was just a, uh, a fun little ex- uh, exercise to self-diagnose myself, uh, work through an assessment and plan and self-assure that I am not, I don't have a tra- like a traumatic brain injury and that I can in fact take an exam the following day. And I did. And uh, last week I posted one about a social weekend, uh, on social weekends or the start of step countdown. And so the exam was on the 20th. Uh, then I had a whole week of assessments and practicals, seeing standardized patients and whatnot. Really a long week. Then I saw. Uh, then I hung out with some friends. Saw John Wick one, then John Wick two uh, in theaters. Saw John Wick one in a classroom on campus. So it was really fun to sort of be in where I would be take uh, you know having select every Thursday morning, and instead we're watching this action movie with this big potluck funness, uh, lots of food, pizza and great stuff, uh, behind us, and, uh, hanging out with classmates there, and then we wandered over to, uh, movie theater to see John Wick Chapter 2, which is just as good, highly recommended as long as you're into, uh, action guns and, and, you know, fistfights and, uh, really good stuff, really good at choreography, really well planned, I really liked it, and if you like that kind of stuff, it's right up your alley, if not, you can probably pass right by this, and, uh, then we, the next day, we went out for a, uh, at the dog park, as well as hanging out with some buddies um, for their combined birthday party. So that was a lot of fun, and um, just just a lot lot. Just uh, my partner and I were we got out, we hung out, saw people, chatted with people, played board games, all sorts of stuff. And it was a really good weekend, and the most social weekend we've had in a very long time. And um, it was good, really good. Sort of before the, like the like this is like the decompress for like all of second year before, uh, like wash all that stress away before we start to get into the study cave for step, which for me, it's like 55 days remaining for big D day. So, uh, it's a little crazy. Anyway, let's talk about Louie. Louie is awesome. He is uh, definitely one of the, he, he, what I liked about him is he's one of the older members of our med school class. Um, he, has had a lot of struggles, a lot of challenges growing up, and uh, even while he's been an adult, he's had a lot of uh, setbacks, obstacles, people telling him no, that he couldn't do things, and now here he is, he's uh, entering, he's in his second year of medical school, passing the coursework, doing what he needs to do, and I really admire him, and he's a, he's a, he's a goofy dude, but a really, really, uh, um, he's got a big heart, and a warm smile, and he's a lovely human. I think that will come across very well. He was a philosophy ma- major in a college, and I think that comes through. It he, he takes he he takes a little bit to warm up to the mic. Uh, he starts a little a little you know timid, little little gun shy, uh, but then he warms up. And once once we warm him up, and over like five minutes, it's just it then the, t- the conversation takes off. And um, I included the mic check uh, that I do before. Uh, all interviews, just to warm up the, the interviewee to uh, my questioning style and just to get some basic information for uh, later for when I post stuff. And we cover some really good ground in the mic check uh, that we don't cover in the interview, and it's appended to the end. So the, like, the last 13 minutes, 14 minutes of this podcast is the mic check. and So I highly recommend after we finish the concluding thoughts by Louis, uh, you stick around for that. Because because it's uh, it's really some really really good stuff, and I think you'll like it. And I think it will help illuminate and um, solidify how awesome Louie is because of what he of of all the stuff that he's done and what he's gone through. So um, I hope you've already got your water going, that you're ready to drink some tea, drink some coffee, some water, maybe some juice. Who knows? Uh, some maybe sweet tea, and you're ready to have a. Great romp and conversation with Louis Espinoza on death. It is February 28th, 2017. I'm sitting here in my champ apartment with Louis Espinoza. Espinoza? Yep. Espinoza. We're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Louis, what are the four prompts?
1: The four prompts are I am, number one, before I die, number two, when I die. Number three, and lastly, after I die.
0: Excellent. And how do you finish that first prompt? I am.
1: Um. Well, in order to um, be as, as honest as possible, uh, all I really know that I am is is sort of a sensor, <clears throat> and I'm just sort of processing this sensory data, and I take these stronger and more lively impressions to be my surroundings and i take the more faint ones to be what i've imagined myself or um what i think i remember from the past so mm-hmm.
0: and so is it like i know i, I know that there are like two there, there are like two models for like kind of consciousness there's one where it's like or sensory input where it's like you are either you're creating like a simulation in your brain based off of the input and you're working mostly off of the simulation in your head or we're taking in input and making, like extrapolating off of that. You know what I mean? Um, so no, So is this like an
1: internal versus external, like where it's all yeah. happening? Yeah, where do you think it's all happening? Do you think it's all happening out there or like in here? Well, that's kind of the beauty of it is that out there is... Yet another impression upon you know it's it's mm-hmm. yet another piece of sensory data uh, it uh, it makes sense to go ahead and treat it you might as well live as though there's a world because <laughs> 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 but um no I honestly can't yeah I'm not I, I really don't see a good argument uh, for it because at the end of the day you know the the Cartesian Uh, Evil genius or the movie, The Matrix, whatever you want to call it. I mean, either way, um, all I know is it's is what's in, I guess, the vessel where all the other things are that no one else can see that are, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. And
0: uh, why why start at at at, like I I am a censor? Like why why is like where where what is the basis for you? Like, why do you think why do you like relate that to yourself? first that you that's the only that's like the basis thing that you know is you're a sensor not like a thinking being not like the I am like I think therefore I am but like you you're a receiver of, of sensory stimuli
1: yeah I mean I think uh because that's all it really is I don't believe in innate ideas um I really don't even believe that we in in um entirely original ideas I think that you know I believe in the tabular rasa that that we are sort of an empty vessel when we start, and then it, you start to fill up with these sensory uh, stimuli, and then, yeah, you can, you can make different combinations with what's come in, you can form opinions about it, and, uh, I mean, that's all you can really do. So.
0: Yeah. Did you have uh, a religious or spiritual upbringing to your
1: childhood? Um, so... Well, actually, my parents were um, Jehovah's, they were raised as Jehovah's Witnesses and they were forbidden to go to college and they were, um, you know, sort of raised to, to pursue um, the highest level of Jehovah's Witnessism, which is um, to be one of the chosen 144,000 uh, that would go to heaven as opposed to being resurrected on earth. And then the way to do that was basically to knock on the most doors and, and um, you know, preach the most gospel that you could. So oh, the world was supposed to end in 1975, according to Bethel, which is the Jehovah's Witness headquarters in New York City, where they write and print the Watchtower. Mm-hmm. And um, when the world didn't end in 1975, my grandmother on my mother's side, well, both grandmothers, um, they lost faith. They called bullshit. and they, oh. they left the religion. Mm-hmm. And so then that sort of left... Um, you know, a big void. And yeah, so when you say that, it's funny, because all what I think of religion as religion is what left this big void. I mean, so for example, I don't speak Spanish, I didn't get any of that culture. um, From my dad's side, my dad being Hispanic, and my mother's Hungarian. And I don't know anything about Hungarian culture. In fact, her parents intentionally didn't teach their children Hungarian, because supposedly, they wanted to be able to speak with and say things without them knowing what they were talking about.
0: Oh, like code talking.
1: Yeah. Oh, very spe- like for that specific reason. That's what I've. That's oh, what I understand. So, so religion, sort of, yeah. There, my my family got all into that, and then um, when the world didn't end in 1975, despite a lot of people emptying their bank accounts and buying Cadillacs and and um, a lot of other unfortunate things, mm. um, you know, I guess that that left this void where it was kind of too late. It wasn't like you could install culture after that. And I came along, um, you know, 10 years at my, my, my brother's 10 years older than me. And um, yeah, at that point, I think it was clear to my parents that they uh, really shouldn't be together. I mean, they were miserable. And mm-hmm. um, that a lot of, I think, this sense that there, there had been time wasted and that you know, I don't know, I think it carried over into the experience that I had as the youngest member of the family, mm. so. And that's a tough place to be. Yeah, it was, yeah well, what can you do?
0: <laughs> and that's a, it's because my parents, they didn't teach me Korean growing up, um, and the reason that I remember most vividly is that they didn't want me to have an accent growing up. They wanted oh, me to speak really? English as fluently as possible to uh, integrate as quickly as possible on the flip side they do utilize the fact that they can code talk around yeah. all the time, but that wasn't like that wasn't like the impetus reason uh, yeah. behind it and uh so i understand that feeling but it's also very it's it's a very good point that you raise about that you can't like w- once there's that vacuum you can't just instill the culture once it's like now that there's a vacuum it's like there's, there's other things that are going to kind of come on in sort of like your gut flora. After you take antibiotics, it's like once you clear out all everything, uh, other things are going to grow, whether or not it's the things that you want. Yeah, company. that's right. And um, I, yeah, it's it's a very very interesting thing to like have a culture or like ha- be be like have like the membership card to the culture, but not like be able to go into the club, you know. And like, yeah, and uh, I'm I'm very much that way with Korea. It's like it's cool that like it's a place that I can go and like. I can totally like ninja style blend into a crowd. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I can't really do that here. I can kind of because there's there's still a good amount of us, but like people will be like, "That's the Asian." There you go, right there. Or like I remember when I, was, I went to Costa Rica when I was in uh, uh, high school, and I remember like some of the Costa Ricans were just like openly staring and pointing at me because they hadn't seen an Asian person. You know, like not a whole lot of Asian people go to Costa Rica. So it was just like a really weird like, oh man, I really stand out here. Like I stand wow. out here more than I do in New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, it is it is a weird thing to have your your like just be separated from that kind of culture. Is that something that you want to get back into or
1: is no. it like no? No. I'm uh Cresci com Brasileiro, you know what I mean? Like there is no going back. Like I've got Brazilian family, so that's it. That's what and that's what I had to be grateful for. I mean, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sergio, he took care of me, so
0: yeah. And so, we we talked a little bit about uh Sergio and your experiences with Brazil before the interview. Um, and it, it was a lot of really cool, and we'll all append it to the end of it so you can actually get that context. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to learn what you learn. I would love to know what you learned from uh Brazil, from your time in Brazil, um, and from the Brazilian people.
1: Yeah, I think, um So it was it was having a conversation with the um, the vice dean of the University of Florida College of Medicine that sort of crystallized, you know, all these things that I was throwing out there about the Brazilians. And the big thing is that it wasn't their lives aren't about them, so to speak. Um, You know, they're so family oriented that I mean, to get joy from slaving away for five dollars an hour, like. You know, to be able to send that to your family, like, that's how, that's how strong the bond was. And that's what I always wanted growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. So he said, um, yeah, he, I, after I'd given this long spiel, he said, I get it, you know, so it wasn't about them. And that's what you were looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. And that is, that is, that is like very deep in their culture. Like I, a lot of how I know Brazilians are through uh, jiu jitsu because they they like had they like took jiu- Japanese jiu jitsu and like made their own thing with it and now it's like come out into the world. But it's just really interesting to see like how how like family focused they are and like how like the Gracie family is like they're a family like almost like a mob and they're like yeah. they're like super tight knit and they're like they have all these infighting. It's just like very very interesting. They're very uh, they're very such an interesting people. Like one of the one of the more interesting peoples out there, I feel like, uh, just because of how much of a pot that there are of like everything thrown together with like the Amazon in there, oh yeah,
1: and, like, all, with all the Spanish influence and like the Portuguese influence, it's really interesting. Do you speak uh, Portuguese? You know, I, whenever anybody asks me that question, I always say no because they're they're bound to discover the limits of my Portuguese <laughs> and you know what whatever. I'd rather just say no and then understand them without them knowing. Mm-hmm. you know, what I'm picking up on. So. Oh, oh, so you're like the <laughs> yeah. secret code talker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can, I can express myself and yeah. And after a few beers, you might not be able to stop me, you know, mm-hmm. like the, mm-hmm. <laughs> let it rattle off, but.
0: Okay. So you are, um, a sensor of, of, um, input.
1: Yeah. Oh. And, you know, regarding that, that's, it's because I hold myself to, to this standard, um, you know, where, I mean, I'm going to give you what I know and, and speak the truth. So that, is all I can really say factually. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if I can move on past that, but moving on past that is all opinion, you know? So.
0: Well, I want to dive a little bit into the opinion. Maybe not, <laughs> okay. the, part, maybe
1: <laughs> not in the crazy parts.
0: Uh, maybe even into the crazy parts. Who knows? Uh, but I would love to know, like, what else do you identify? Like, what else
1: do you say, I, like, you are a censor, and what else? Um. So, at this point in my life, trying to, um, you know, grow into my role as a physician... I look at it as, um, you know. So, I guess maybe the easy way to easiest way to put this is, you know, I was volunteering with these kids who had sickle cell disease, and this was before. This is what got me inspired to do medical school and you know, go and through with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I saw just the most incredible storm cloud that these children were just born into. You know, um, there there was uh, one young man in particular, and he just. Oh goodness, he'd already had a couple strokes. He's limping around, you know. And uh, his mother was dead. His little brother was dead. And I thought, man, even even if I could uh, if I could take his pain away somehow, I mean, even to displace his burden like onto my own shoulders, like mm-hmm. that's how bad I wanted to give him some reprieve. And uh, so I hope that. Through a career in medicine, as you know, what I look at myself as is, um, you know, a really fortunate person who, you know, is of sound enough mind and body to get this far, and and that's what I, you know, I want to do is is sort of give people um, some reprieve, literally, even if it means displacing part of the burden onto my own shoulders. Um, And that's what, that's what I I want to be basically is um, a giver. Mm -hmm. So.
0: Have you have you ever heard of the term uh, sin eater? No, sin eater is uh, it's like um, I've heard it was in uh, one of the I forget it was like uh, one of like the Jason Bourne movies. They talked about it a lot, um, but it, it's this idea of like you for a large or, for a large organization, um, you need for certain for certain actions you need a small subset of that organization to be sin eaters to to uh, do the dark things that need to be done so that the rest of the organization can have their hands clean. Okay. And, yeah. And uh, from, like, I, I also relate that a lot to, to medicine and, and healing in that like, there are some people that, you know, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of healing that can be done through just like, you know, regular, regular checkups, regular visits and, and, you know, kind of hands off medicine. But then there's also a lot of medicine and a lot of like really powerful healing, especially like psychiatric mental health stuff. Uh, where you need to get your hands in the dirt and like really yeah. get get in there and and kind of take that in you and then release it later because it yeah. just needs there's just for the like the layers of, of healing and 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 moving on that needs to happen it's, you can't be passive you can't just be an observer and and like kind of like relay information you need to like actually uh, interact with that
1: absolutely and I think you know and this is something that I've come to learn I think. Uh, about you and Mackenzie both. I mean, reflecting on her interview, that quote about, oh, so you don't want to end up in a Hollywood dermatology clinic? Like, <laughs> no, that sounds awful because that's not what we're here for. I mean, I mm-hmm. came into this, um, you know, I think the best term I heard used about this was uh, to be thrust into the bowels of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's that's what I'm here to do is, is to, uh, you know, go, Go find it and, and do something about it and not, you know, that's my focus. So, mm-hmm. And from what
0: uh, from what we've talked about so far, um, it sounds like there like there's been a lot of lived experiences that brought you to here to be in your second year of medical school at the age of 31. And that that colors the way that you interact with or like the, that colors the way that you want to use your 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 practice as a physician versus somebody who is you know 22 second year in medical school only known an academic environment their whole life you know grown up 18 through high school did all of the extracurriculars you know yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's like it's not not like their fault but they're they're they they were like groomed from pre-birth to be able to fulfill that like uh like high school, like, getting all the extracurricular, all the things, and, like, going to a private school, and then going to college, doing the pre-med, doing all the volunteer hours, and then, like, getting immediately into med school, you know, like, that requires, you have, you, in in the same way that that, that young boy uh, with sickle cell, like, you're kind of, you're kind of born into it, whether you, and it's not, like, their fault or not, but it's, it's just a very different kind of physician that you'll get at at the, like, as an end product of, of, like, somebody who, enters in after like this large gap of lived experiences versus somebody who goes in straight out of college
1: yeah that's well I'll tell you one thing I mean I dropped out of school got a GED I was told um you know in community college you're never going to get into a big university if you do you may fail um then I was told you won't get into medical school (laughs) and when I got rejected from medical school I was told don't bother reapplying Mm. So, how how, when did you first apply for I guess 2013, yeah, or 2012-2013 so, cycle.
0: Oh, man. And then what did you do in that gap between the 2013-2014 cycle and the 20, oh gosh,
1: what was that, like a year gap, two years ago? Yeah, I think it was like, a, yeah, I want to say two and a half, whatever it was, but um, yeah, I, I, uh, I had this EMT certification, and of course I couldn't, I mean, it, the county wasn't going to touch me because... I mean, I I was honest, you know, that I wasn't, that I was looking to move on. And, uh, so I got a job in an internal medicine practice and they're like, well, shit, he can take a blood pressure and he can draw blood. So that's what I did all day. And, um, and then after that, I got an opportunity to become a scribe at university of Florida, which, you know, level one trauma center and stroke center and everything. And so that Felt like that was the, the best way to sort of be alongside those who I looked up to the most and, mm-hmm. um, you know, be of use to them and, and have access. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what I did. And then mm-hmm. it was as a scribe one day, I was actually in the emergency room when I got the call from Dr. Daniel. So. oh man and that's it's a call you remember like i remember that too i was just like what are you talking yeah. about man like <laughs> what are you get
0: out of here did he fuck with you no not but, oh but it was like we were playing phone tag for like a
1: day and a half <laughs> Where are
0: you? so i was just like what the what is this what is this yeah. like there's only one reason you'd be calling man come on
1: well no well he told us at the end he was like i'm either gonna call you until you're accepted But even if you're not, I'm just going to say, hey, look, we need to have a conversation because I'm going to want to help you. Mm. So he calls me up and he says, we need to have a conversation.
0: Mm. He's like, no, 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 No! no, not again.
1: Please, it's getting cold out here, man. And uh, he said, the conversation we had was that they thought I was going to be a a compassionate physician. So I was in. Boom. Boom. It's like, you fucking bastard, though. (laughs) All of
0: my game because, yeah, especially, like, the the pre-med brain, it can come up with some wacky scenarios pretty fast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What, um, is there a direction that you want your practice as a physician to take? Have you, like, not had the experiences that you sort of, that you need to really be able to point in those directions, or do you have a pretty good sense of where you want to go?
1: No, well, you know, the, I guess the struggle uh, now is sort of that I I really don't see reaching my full potential as a physician to be compatible with reaching my full potential as a father. Mm. And um, so that's something that sort of weighs on me. And I think, you know, go I mean, if I would have gotten accepted into medical school the first time, I would have gone straight back for those kids with sickle cell anemia. I would have just, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, but... At this point, I'm realizing that you're not always going to feel this way and life's going to change and you've got to, you know, put yourself in a position, um, you know, for it all to go well and Mm -hmm. not. Yeah. Yeah. Because if your career is like the defining
0: factor, it's like you're going to fail as as a physician. You're going to you're going to mess up real bad a couple of times and that that drive will not always be there. And if that's gone, then it's like you look around and it's like. What do you have? Yeah. Is there, uh, are there experiences that have uh, given you that perspective of real, like what, what has happened in the, in the, in the intervening couple of years that has allowed you to realize like, I can't just dive into that sickle cell.
1: Um. Well, for, I mean, I guess it's, it's not necessarily so much, um, you know, so well, for as far as actually going on in, in the sickle cell thing, I think. I'm more I don't know, I might I might uh, do better, you know, outside of rheumatology. You know, I'm not sure that's gonna be my cup of tea and didn't really realize uh, education wise, you know, quite what all went into that. Yeah, and special oh, delivery. Sure. We're good. We're good. I don't all have right. to sign for it. FedEx anyway. just
0: came by and dropped off the package. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, sir, continue. Yeah,
1: on. no. Um so yeah, but I think that uh, and Dr. Lynch is who I'm talking about. He's the one that put everything in perspective at UF and said, um, you know, you, as far as the Brazilian goes, the Brazilians go, you know, so it wasn't about them. But he's also the one who said, why do you want, you know, what are you here for? Why, Why do you want to do medicine? And I gave the classic answer. I said, well, I want to help people. And he just, it's like, dude, you're not... At 2 a.m., this alcoholic comes in. He's spitting on you, saying, fuck you. You know, he'd kill you if he could get out of his restraints. You don't want to... You really... Mm-hmm. You want to help him? You want to get up and do that every day, and you mm-hmm. want to help these people. You never know how many nights that's going to happen in a row in the emergency room. So if you don't have something besides, you know, I I want to help people, mm-hmm. um, you've got, yeah, you got some tough times ahead, some rough mm-hmm. sledding, mm-hmm. so... Yeah,
0: and I imagine he he's heard all of the possible permutations of that. Yeah, you know? yeah. And he, I imagine, he, as a result of hearing every permutation of that, he can he has like that like bloodhound scent of like when is this like when is this real and then when is this not real? And, yeah, you know, and he can just kind of pick that apart. That's a that'd be
1: very interesting. Yeah, he really prepared me for my interviews because he forced me to go back and think about it. And then what I ultimately realized was that. I didn't, you know, so I, I kind of feel like, you know, childhood, the way things started out, that um, I wasn't really set up to achieve my, my potential. And then my, my answer when I followed up with him was a lot different. I told him that ever since I discovered medicine, that um, what I want to be doing and what I'm supposed to be doing sort of align in a way that they never have. And mm. I meant that in terms of a, of a purpose but also in terms of things that aren't going to get me locked up in prison. I, mean, I didn't want to do what I was supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I also didn't have a, a deep sense of what am I supposed to be doing. So it, it was really cool. Yeah. And that there's nothing more powerful. Um, I mean, shit. I started after I got my GED. I had to take, retake 19 classes. I mean, I failed algebra three times. So by the time I wasn't even done retaking all these 19 classes that I failed when my, um, you know, prepaid college ran out and everything. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just been a, it's been a long road. Yeah. So is there,
0: I imagine so much of that is necessary for you to be where you are now and to do what you will be able to do in the future. Um, is that that's just it just sounds like it was a lot tougher for you to get here than it was for a lot of people and including myself. But it I I don't, don't want to like put that on a pedestal because I know it's like not the best thing in the world. Yeah, no. To, but it's it it puts you in this place where you are able to connect with and understand and empathize with a, a different um w- with 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 other groups of people. I hope so, and I think that's really cool. I think that's yeah. really, really, really rad. Um, so you are uh, a censor. You are what was that? You, a, giver. You, uh, a giver. I want to grow into yeah, a giver as a into physician. A um, and, oh yeah, and oh yeah, and we were kind of like winding around this. Where do you know where you want to go with it? Like, do you know? Like, do you know? Like, internal med. Do you know if you like you want to go overseas and do cool stuff like with Doctors Without Borders? Like
1: I think, um, so yeah, I definitely want to do all the above. Right now, I kind of am looking at emergency medicine as as a good vehicle to be able to do all those things, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just based on the, you know, the the work schedule and everything and being able to move around and, um, you know, being able to use a portion of each month to go do something like that and give back. Mm -hmm. You know, when I can't, I originally wanted to do a Robin Hood practice, you know, which is where you... Um, you know mm. about that model where you I've, I, you charge people enough so that you you do it for free on Friday. So oh. Monday through Thursday you make your money, and then on Friday you see people for free who really need it.
0: I've had that model in my brain, but I've never heard of it. Like I've never heard it. Like the Robin Hood. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, maybe if I get all these rich white people <laughs> like, <laughs> a, couple, a couple days, and then I can do all the other brown people all the Is there? Oh, and one thing I want to touch on is your desire to be a father. Yeah. Uh, what why is that something you want to set a lot set aside a lot of your time, energy and 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 um, attention towards? Why is that something that you want to block off a lot for? You don't want to you don't want your medical practice to be everything.
1: You want that fatherhood to be a part of it. why? Well, if I, for one thing because uh, you know, what happened to me. And I think, uh, I know that's not cool. And I, and, um, so I would like to do better, but also I think that I'm kind of, uh, well, for one thing, if this is all for me, then what the fuck, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, come on, really all for me. I mean, I'm just going to die. And the other thing is that I, I feel like I've realized something and that i I want to be able to pass it on because I don't want. I feel like I could give someone the head start that I didn't have, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about. I don't want it to be easy, and I for you know nothing good comes from that. Or but I do think that if you um, and and you can't control the way someone's going to turn out. I mean, all you, you can lead a horse to water, right? But um, mm-hmm. I I really have this opinion that if someone had asked me the right questions and, and maybe limited my exposure to a lot of um, really harmful things, mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was given ecstasy when I was 11. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, so um, if I could limit someone's exposure and, and ask them the right things, I think for me just to turn around and give someone the opportunity because, man, I know where I could be now if things had been different. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking around at, all, at a lot of people who are my age, and it's just, whew, it's amazing where they are and where I could be. I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. I got a thousand on my SAT in seventh grade. Um, I was in a magnet program. I was a smart kid, you know, and um, sh- shit, man. So whatever. <laughs> but if I can, if I can, if my kid's in a magnet program and everything, and um, yeah that I guess that would mean a lot to me and I guess, I don't know it's it's selfish it's selfish you know to want to right or wrong and and mm-hmm. to well it's like you don't there there are like two things that that they're they're
0: like I have this model in my brain of like there people are either converters or amplifiers and uh, a, a, an amplifier is somebody like if something bad happens to them they just make it worse you know or something good yeah. happens to them they' they're like let everybody know you know like they' yeah. they they're, they're just they take what they're given and they make go further with it. Yeah. Um, and then there are converters that do the really hard thing. Uh, Cause amplifiers, it's kind of easy. If, if people are starting a slow clap, it's easy to join in on a slow clap. <laughs> like if you're a converter, it's taking something good and making it into something bad or bad into good. Yeah. And those, that's a little bit harder, especially to go from bad to good because that's that you got to like stop that momentum and totally reverse it. Um, and that's, that's some, it's like the buck stops here. It's like, you know, know, it's so easy to see like, um, like the line of like, like over generations of like abuse of like, of like whether it's mental, physical, you know, it's like all, like if somebody just grows up in a, in a, in a powerfully um, toxic environment, you can see how that just flows. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to be able to be a part of something that stops that flow and like reverses it and then you take that momentum that could have gone in a negative direction and go somewhere super positive with it. That's that's really powerful. And it's something that, you know, it's it's like like before we did this interview, you took a, a minute to like take a couple breaths, just chill and like reset uh, so you can be here and present now. And that's something that is not. A common skill. People so often are easy, it's so easy for people to just kind of like ride whatever wave is pr- currently present to wherever it takes them, whether they know it them <laughs> or not, you know? And uh, I think that is really important to be able to, um, to right or wrong because it's like the, you know, like that, that there's, I believe it's a Muslim saying um, of like, if you save one man, you save the world, you know? And to be able to do that, especially for your kids that is incredibly important. Is it important for you to have a uh, biological children or do you feel that ado- like, are you, have you ever thought about adoption? Have you, is this something that
1: you necessarily want? Is it, is, do you want it to be like your seed? Um, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd prefer it, uh, to be my seed, but you know, I'm, I'm open. I mean, I, I've adopted a couple of kittens just because I couldn't leave them on the street. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I could sort of see that, you know, um mm-hmm. going similarly in adulthood. But no, I I would um I would like it to be my seed and also I think um you know, I mean I haven't really found my soulmate or anything, but I, but also like I think uh that's kind of part of it for me, the vision, because, you know, my parents weren't soulmates. So
0: mm-hmm. is there do you know what your soulmate would look like? Do you do you know what that process
1: is like? Do you know, like, you know, no, and no, and I and uh, you know, one of the things I struggle with is is that, you know, you don't want to be a person that has a chip on your shoulder because of childhood, and I'm not sure that I've really let enough of all that go to sort of be in the form that's gonna like really attract the person I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be with. I mean, even outwardly, I mean. I still wear my long hair and my tattoos and I'm intentionally not, I try not to be haughty and everything. And honestly, I get approached and treated a lot differently when I'm walking around um, than I do when people find out I have a white coat and mm-hmm. see my, see that picture and everything. And um, so, and part of me's kind of pissed off. I don't, I don't want you know your respect or anything for the white coat. Like I, I want to walk around with my long hair and see who who's gonna listen to what I have to say. Mm-hmm. And um, but
0: mm-hmm. at the
1: same time, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. And I, I guess it's not that I'm consciously thinking about this, but sometimes when I reflect, I realize that may, is is that bitter, bitterness being carried with me, mm-hmm. and um, sort of like, and uh, so like, I don't. Where does that
0: emotion come from? Yeah, yeah, yes,
1: yeah, because yeah, I mean, I. I, I, it kind of bothers me i mean and it happens all the time like I've literally had people that once they find once they see a white coat picture on Facebook or something oh now all of a sudden you're chatty fucking Kathy, you know what I mean mm-hmm. and uh that really frustrates me but so i'm not I'm not really sure uh you know i am sort of in a at a point in my life where uh you know and of course i I recently came out of a long relationship and everything so this is sort of a point of reevaluation in my life and yeah, I'm sort of evaluating, like, what am I really holding on to, and why, and um, what do I really need to let go, uh, let go of what's holding me back, and, um, you know, so I think that there's probably a little bit of transformation that's going to happen before I get to the place where I'm going to be when, um, when everything comes together, so.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that, that, that recognition of, like, you got, you kind of, like, there's always, like, I need to work on me for a little while, Yeah, and there's that, that process of, Of of like becoming the person that you that your ideal future mate will be attracted to, like that kind of like it's like be the person your dog thinks you are. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like yeah, like and and it's tough because it's like are you ever really done developing as a person and how much how much of that development comes from finding that person and then co co developing. Yeah. It. And that, that's something that I found with Mackenzie is, is, it's like, you know, I, I, re- I needed to do a certain amount of development to be able to sustain this relationship that we have. But it's also like, I'm learning how much growth there is with another person. Like, yeah. and it's weird. It's like, I'm, this is way like the, this is like by far the the, the deepest and the most long term relationship that I've ever had, and we've only been together for like a year and a half now. Uh, but it's still, I'm like, man, this is a lot. There's a lot more to this than I thought there was, you know, because I've been I've been living the single life for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny how people quantify relationships with time? You know, like <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's just and, I, I hear you. Yeah, that that
0: transition and 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 that that intention from the start of like. This is something that we're gonna ride out for a while, versus like, oh, like this is, you know, we're young, and like this is a thing, and I like you, and you kind of like me, and then it, and then it kind of develop, like over time, develops into a a very serious, like, oh, let's let's plan for the future, and that's hard to make. I imagine it's hard to make that switch because I I, I liken it to um, somebody, like if you're in the military and you start dating someone there is an implicit understanding that you could get deployed. There's there's an implicit yeah. understanding of like what this means versus if you're dating and then you join the military, you're yeah. adding in so much, so much craziness, so much that, yeah. that you didn't necessarily get to agree upon at the outset. You know, you're not like, Oh, I, you know, like when you start dating, you're not like, Oh, so this means that we could be apart for like a year. <laughs> you know? Like that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Like it, it's just very, very tough. And uh, yeah, man, relationships are, are a whole head trip.
1: Yeah. Definitely. What
0: uh what 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 are you what are you looking for in, in a in a in a potential in a partner and a mate uh, who will maybe bear your children?
1: Uh, well I think um, I don't know, I mean it's well it's hard <laughs> to answer this without sounding a little bit judgmental. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that it's kind of important to me that somebody, <clears throat> I hate to say this, but maybe someone who didn't just go straight through school and get straight A's their whole life and then end up being a doctor. And, um, you know, maybe somebody who, uh, you know, with some some tested grit mm-hmm. and uh, somebody who can. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to be appreciated for qualities that, you know, I guess in my last relationship, I don't really feel like, um, you know, I would necessarily was love for the same and she saw qualities in me, but are they the ones that I valued the most about myself, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think so. So, um, and uh, and those values, um, you know, like I said, it's I really I'm against the haughtiness. I'm against this <laughs> um this high status thing that comes along with this. And, you know, I don't I wouldn't give a shit how much money any doctor I mean, I'm not in it for the money, I tell you right now. Mm-hmm. And um so I would like someone who, yeah, who's driven by a purpose and someone who's maybe seen some shit Mm. and goes, you know what, that uh, this this what we're going through isn't so fucking bad, because let me tell you what it's been like in the past and Mm. and how it could be. Mm. So,
0: yeah, that being able to have like a wide ranging perspective, like I it, it it is very easy for me to tell if like if somebody has been punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah like people like you, you can tell like if somebody has ever been like if you know it's just it just yeah. changes your perspective it's like at any moment you can get popped and it's like all right, fuck but, yeah. versus somebody who like take like I remember I was sitting next to a classmate during one of the exams and his his like, computer was acting up or whatever and I remember it was just I was just like blown away by how much uh, by like his body language. And like his like breathing, like how, how (laughs) how much it upset him that his computer wasn't functioning, you know, like, and it was like 10 minutes into the exam. It was just like, I'm sorry, buddy. Like, (laughs) you want a pat on the head? Like, it was just, you know, it's like, yeah, to him, it's a big deal. But, you know, if you've been punched in the face, if you've, if you've like been put in situations where you really understand, like, dude, you're taking an exam. Like, how bad are things? You know, it's like that being able to have that like wide perspective, like what is really going on here? It is important. Yeah. And and, then somebody that has, uh, that has had some life experiences, um, it gives them, you know, makes them a little bit more better. I, yeah, I'd like, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you are a sensor. You want to be a giver. Um, is there anything else that you are?
1: Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a runner. Yeah, that's for sure. Maybe, maybe a wee bit of a climber. And, um, (laughs) my, I, I eventually will be a philosopher physician Mm. because I think that is the, I don't know, the, the pinnacle of understanding, um, what the human experience is, you know, Socrates command was to know thyself. Well, philosophically, physiologically, um, you know, really bringing it all together and understanding the human experience is, uh, it's what I strive to attain, I suppose. Mm.
0: So. Yeah, that that is a very int- like the philosopher physician. That is a very I haven't thought, because you know everyone is like the philosopher king. That's like a thing <laughs> that but like no, I I think that that's a very especially in this in this time it is a very important um, combination uh, that it like should have more importance than like a philosopher, like and like especially now, like a philosopher king would be pretty cool. Like, yeah, you know, like, well, I agree. But, like also <laughs> A hiding... philosopher
1: president would be cool. <laughs> <Yeah,
0: laughs> It'd be great, it. but it's also like that that introspection and under like the multi layered understanding of not just the the asking questions and sitting with yourself and understanding yourself, but also like using all of the telescopes and microscopes that we have now to understand what is physically going on. Yeah, and it's it's a cool layering what uh you're a run
1: how long have you been a runner for um so I don't know what how old was I as a how old are you as a sophomore in in high school uh 15 16 16? 16. yeah Yeah, so there you go I don't know I'm 31 now so good good decade
0: and a half yeah what have you have you fallen in or out of love with running have you always like oh no yeah
1: no I mean it's been off and on certainly um yeah
0: and uh you recently ran a half marathon,
1: yep um, and you're a wee bit of a climber. what does that mean? <laughs> What do you mean by that? um, I think I've got some potential mm-hmm. I'm not there yet though,
0: so you need a little bit more time to develop
1: yeah i mean I, I so i am I a philosopher? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I suppose I couldn't have gotten my degree without philosophizing. Am mm-hmm. I a runner? Well, I'm passionate about it. I'm fulfilled by it. So, yeah. I mean, how do I? I guess I haven't really decided how I'm going to measure whether or not I'm a climber.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a, that's one of those things that it's such a tough, um, especially when you're uh, new in in a field or of like of like a physical practice to be able to like identify as that practice. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Like uh, I, I see it a lot in CrossFit of people who are like, "I'm not a CrossFit. At- I'm I'm not an athlete." And it's like if you do fucking crossfit often you're a crossfit athlete <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, it's that simple yeah. if you roll and you try to choke people out and not get choked out you are you do jujitsu like yep. you are jujitsuka it's like one of those sim- it's but it's tough to like be able to give yourself that like appellation
1: yep good call yeah
0: is there uh, is there anything else you are or do you want to start talking about before you die um
1: yeah i mean that's 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 already probably enough, yeah. For uh, <laughs> a good job, a good yeah, job. it is. So, how do you finish the prompts before I die? I want. Um, you know what? What really comes to my mind is uh, when I saw my grandfather die. Um, it made me sad, um, not because it wasn't time for him, but because he didn't feel it was time for him. I mean, he got really old. You know, eighty-nine. I mean, I call it eighty-nine. Really old it's and it's uh, on there. You're getting there. Yeah. But he just he wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And you saw it in his eyes, he was clinging and um, you know, rest his soul. I guess I don't want to get to that point and feel like I'm not ready. Um, you know, I, I don't mm-hmm. wanna get I don't know. I just I don't think it that's the way it should be. So do you do you feel like you're ready now? Like do you, what what do you think makes
0: that 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 binary switch from, like, not ready to ready?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I'm already tired. <laughs> I'm already really tired. I've already been told no a lot of times in my life. I've already been doubted a lot. Nobody, I mean, nobody gave me a shot, I'll be honest. In, in my hometown, they still don't really see me for who I've become. You know, it's, it's kind of odd to walk around and wear this face. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I I definitely don't want to live forever. I tell you that for better or for worse. <laughs> Fuck that. So, I guess I'm ready in that regard. But I I would like to, and I have a lot that I can be proud of. So that that's good in that sense. I guess I'm uh, I'm ready and yeah. But but no, I'd still like to kick some ass and and um, you know, like I said, I'd like to to make a difference, and I've yet to do that as as a as a philosopher physician. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, that's it's a. Uh and it's, and it's also tough because it's, like,
0: where, like, do you put that, like, that, like, kicking ass in the philosopher-physician realm? Or do you put it in, like, the fatherhood realm, like, when you have a kid? Like, is that is that, like, when you can check that mark and you're, like, ah, boom? Or is it when they go to college that you can check that mark? Yeah, yeah. Or is it, like, when you have your own practice, is that when you can check the mark? Or is it, like, when you, like, deliver your first baby? Like, you know, like, although it's so, it's, it's so squishy. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, the Appalachians, the Appalachians <laughs> like, when are you done and uh, what 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 kind of a legacy do you want to leave is it like is it, it more in that fatherhood realm is it more in the philosopher physician realm?
1: So I think the um, the le- for the whole philosophy thing isn't about... Um, as much for me is about learning and and all this, but it's actually about uh, destroying, tearing down. Forget, you know, pursue an objective perspective. We can never have one, right? Mm -hmm. But to be as honest as you can uh, about yourself and about what you're experiencing and everything without sort of, you know, all the crap that's just been put in your head Mm -hmm. is really cool. And so, like Socrates said, know thyself. Socrates said, um, I know that I know nothing you know and uh, that's the one thing and and I, th- I think I sort of you know when you say well what are you what what am I a sensor well that's what I know I know that I know nothing but I know that I'm sensing something so mm-hmm. so I guess in terms of a legacy what I think it would be really cool I mean I don't I don't necessarily need a child or um you know anybody to to you know achieve anything but for one thing be honest know yourself and know um you know there's things bigger than you out there and um, you're fortunate to be a part of them. Don't take yourself so seriously that, you know, don't, don't be self important and and be able to strip it down, be able to be honest, be able to, you know, good outcomes, bad outcomes, evaluate your role. Honestly, be honest with yourself. And um, so I think so. It's, it's appealing, appealing back. um, Yeah. This like this weird, these, all these constructs that you're grown that you grow up with, I guess is that's, The best legacy would be for the people that I love the most and that are closest to me to I don't know I mean if they get it from me or if they have it on their own um, and and then we have that in common you know that that just would be a cool legacy.
0: How is there is there like a is there a specific practice that you uh, utilize to to try to tear down those walls uh, and those and those like all the stuff that's been jammed in your brain? Is there like do you do do you have like a meditation practice? Do you have like an like a sitting down and evaluating all the craziness that's running around in your brain? Um, or is this something that is sort of like in the background kind of running all the time?
1: You know, I think it's, I mean, uh, for me, my, my running is kind of my meditation and, and um, but ultimately I, I just try to remind myself that dude, we're, we're fucking critters on a dirt ball. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Literally we're critters on a dirt ball. I mean, if, if you woke up in a room one day and didn't know how you got there or anything, your first and foremost concern would be, how the fuck did I get here? (laughs) Why did I just wake up here? And yet, that's the situation we're all in. Mm -hmm. We don't (laughs) fucking know. Some guy told some guy, who told some guy. I mean, we really don't know. We've got fossils and shit to look (laughs) at. We've got, um, Um, you know, telescopes. But dude, we just woke up in this fucking room, and that's not, you know, mind-boggling to anybody. So mm -hmm. I just try to keep that in perspective that, the only thing that any I mean the only thing that anybody can really know is that we don't know. Mm-hmm. We can do our best to find good arguments for it, but um no, I think that I try to put that into practice just with the way I enter it, you know at all times so mm-hmm. yeah, and that's, that's a you, you
0: strike on a, like a point that I, I really like where it's like you like there are like three tiers of like teacher, there's like the guru, I, I forget what exactly, but there's like the lowest level is like I will tell you the answer. And then the, the, that's, like, the lowest level. And then the medium level is, like, I will show you the answer. And then the next level up is, you know, like, the, and the highest level is, like, you already have the answer. And, like, not, like, the, the, like run, run away from anybody that says, like, you have to do this. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Any, like that kind of thing, and it's so it's so tough because it's it's so it just feels so nice when somebody just tells you what to do and you don't have to really think about it, but it all, it shuts off all of that critical thinking in your brain, and it's you know what cost.
1: Yep, excellent question. So
0: you, oh goodness, so you want a legacy of 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 like carrying carrying down conceptions preconceptions, and you also uh, I forgot what that first thing first little fellow um anyway what else do you want before you die
1: yeah um so i think uh before i die you know i'm I'm also really big into that uh you know the old school concept of the egyptians throwing you on a scale after you die and and the good outweighing the bad um you know and and i think that part partially contributes to the the chip that i i worry that i carry around on my shoulders because i do feel like i lost some time and Mm -hmm. i do feel like um I don't know. It's sort of a race to, to make good out of the bad. So Mm. Mm. is there,
0: uh, I mean, I I meant, yeah, that creates urgency that you're like, I got to do this. I got Like I haven't got some time left. Like I have, (laughs) but like what, uh, it's, it's a very interesting idea. Yeah. Like the, the weighing of the scales, like kind of like doling out the deeds, whether or not you're on the naughty list or not. (laughs) But, (laughs) But like what, how do you, how do you do, like, what, like, do you, do you feel like you, you, like, kind of look through your thing, like, do you, like, go, like, do you, like, check your diary and, like, look, like, what did I do today? Like, was it mostly good? Was it mostly bad? Like, what, how much, yeah, how much of that is, like, the chip on your shoulder of what your of your upbringing versus, like, the, the actual reality of what's going on now?
1: Yeah, you know, that's hard to say, too, because, um, you know, again, with my, my Socratic, uh, Uh, reluctance to make any knowledge claim I really you know you don't know how you're really affecting people Mm. sometimes you affect people in the most wonderful ways and didn't realize it but then other times you came across as a dick (laughs) you know what I mean And like you still don't know so I I sort of um, accept my limitation of only being able to do my best but that's the thing like if it's all for me then I don't want it and that's a Bob Marley quote (laughs) and um, you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for real. Super casual. Bob Marley Yeah, man. That. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, really, it's about other people. I mean, I just, um, if it's about my patients and I'm literally um, giving them reprieve from their pain and suffering or enriching their lives, I mean, doing what I can, or if it's, um, you know, listening to others, brightening their day, being a friend, I don't know. Yeah, I just hope that um, in some ways, you know, I mean, I think that we all sort of kind of can recognize what we think is positivity Mm -hmm. you know and so i think um yeah i just striving to keep things positive you know Mm -hmm. because
0: i guess i think what uh, what what drew me most to the idea of that that like weighing of the scales is that that's you're looking for that objective like that objective like measuring of things yeah rather than like that total subjective like this is this is steve's point of view it was pretty cool (laughs) like giving the way through the through the line um what what Yeah, that's really cool. What what about I want to bring it back to your grandfather um who passed. What what did you what like concrete things did you learn from his passing?
1: Well, I think um not uh, not to discredit grandpa, but you know his uh, his upbringing was pretty fucked up. You know, he was um you know, he grew up in like New York City, you know, dirt poor, his, it was like Hungarian, born of Hungarian immigrants. Uh, my grandma, I mean, she remembered coming through Ellis Island and everything, but oh, and what I'm getting at is that he never really had a chance um, to do anything but survive, you mm-hmm. know, and so I think at the end of his life, you know, it was like, I fought through, you know, I, I ended up, um, you know, raising a family and, and owning a house and like, never really got the chance to go deeper than that mm. so that's that's what i i don't want to live on that level of um you know even if it is hard to survive i mean I, I want to be thinking deeply about it introspectively about it um because you know grandpa wasn't he was not philosophical i mean you know what i mean that's mm. not hard that like, his like a hard
0: like yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: I mean I mean not that he wasn't even um I mean he was king of the road beers you know and he was everyone knew him for for drinking beer and like he was popular f- he would go to parties and um he would put a speedo on under his shorts and then he'd be like hey everyone like pull his pants down real quick so they thought you know he mm-hmm. was <laughs> but he'd be wearing a speedo under there and he did stuff like that and so <laughs> I th- but uh, looking back I mean I think he he wanted the attention and he just wanted people to like him Mm-hmm. And um and I I think that uh he's just towards the end I guess he was just looking for acceptance. And um so he never I I and again not to take anything away from him but he never reached the depth, you know, of sort of self-acceptance.
0: Mm-hmm. And um
1: mm-hmm. that's I want to have that piece. So
0: yeah. There's a like there it's seen a lot in like biology of like like a multi-generational like push for something like I see you'll you'll see it a lot in like uh like plants especially in like butterflies like when they'll make their migrations they'll it's like a multi-generational migration from like up in Canada uh over all these different forms like you know like they might like the butterflies might come down they'll stop they'll they'll die but before they die they like give they like have another generation of butterflies that can then go another hundred like thousand miles down south and then they like it's all in 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 purpose of like a a big ass butterfly party like some, you know what i mean like somewhere down in mexico of uh, like for their t- the time of their life and it's like something that like they spend like generations building up like the the like food stores and like just chomping down like that or like flower like like in flowers there's like they, they might spend a couple year like couple years dormant before time is ready uh, for them to sprout and then finally flower and then they die immediately. So, but they flowered. you know, that kind of like generational push. And I see that, I, I feel that very strongly in relation to like immigrants and, and yeah. families that way of like, so there it's like the, that some generations role is just to work and survive and to do that hard shitty work so that the next generation has it better. And that is, it's cool to be on the, it, it's nice to be on the receiving end of it, but it's, it is very tragic to see, like, a person grow up and not have, like, the base, like, just not understanding, like, what is it like to be 12 years old and spend all day playing Super Nintendo? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's a, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a wonderful thing to be able to spend all day and then drink all the Mountain Dew and then play video games all night. But, like, you know, sometimes you need to fucking work in the coal mines or some shit, yeah. you know? But it's it's also like a very weird responsibility to be like that last butterfly heading to the party and like understanding like all of the other butterflies that died to get you there, you know, or like to be the flower of a plant that has spent decades underground waiting for this moment. And you are the flower. And it's like to be that it's like a very heavy responsibility and I feel that way with my parents. Like, they, they, my, I know my dad worked real hard, and he spent, like, a year in an orphanage in, like, post-war Korea, because, um, yeah, yeah. par- like, his mom couldn't take care of him, so he got pushed off to an orphanage, like, all that crazy shit. And now he's, like, able to live in Florida and, like, hang out and watch funny videos on YouTube, you know? Yeah. Like, that kind of, <laughs> like, that kind of being able to do that, but it's also, like, it's a very weird responsibility to be, like, to know that, like, how much, like, like, how many bloody fingernails got you here? Yeah. And it's tough. Yeah. It's a very, very tough thing, but it's, 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 you want them to be able to like hang out and play super Nintendo all day, but you know that they can't, like, it's just not, that's just not in them. It's just a very different kind of
1: beast. Is your, is your dad sort of like restrained about his experiences and like unloading on you, how bad it was and everything. Yeah. He'll, he'll get very wistful and, and we kind
0: of know when he's kind of winding, like, especially when he's had a couple drinks, he'll start talking. But it's always, it's, it's very interesting because he, it's restrained, but not, because he'll like talk about the generalities of it, but very rarely the specifics. Yeah. And that's sort of like, I feel like it, is it like him kind of like talking around it rather than like directly like what exactly happened, you know?
1: Yeah. Kind of, uh, I get the sense it's like, they don't want to be a bird. They don't want to whine. That's against their nature. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not whine, but let me tell you something, you know, that you need to know about mm-hmm. this, you know?
0: And it's, and, and, you know, it's, it's earned. Uh, and it's, it, th- those like life stories of like, not, not let me tell you a thing. Let me tell you a story about what happened. Like that kind of, yeah. there's so much, there's like, it's a very fine line between like, um, you know, like when, when people talk about politics or like talk about like highly charged subjects, people talk about like the generalities, but they very rarely talk about like the emotional like story that's actually happening. Like they like, you know, people will. Like be angry on the surface, but there's like there's so much going on underneath that we're not talking about. We're not like relating the story of what exactly is going on here. Um, that it's it can get tough to like really understand. Like what are people? What are we? What are we really talking about here? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um And so I, I thank you for talking about your grandfather like that. Is there? A, have uh, there? Thank been... you for talking about your dad.
1: Oh, my pleasure, man. Is there? Are there
0: other? Have there been other deaths or passings that have uh, colored? Um, either positively or negatively um, the way that you want your passing to
1: kind of look like, to feel like the lead up into death? Um, no, not really. Cause I think, um, you know, uh, me and my grandfather have like, we have the same pointer fingers and everything like <laughs> I can, in the same toes. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I, I can, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I guess it was just weird because looking in his eyes and everything I've never, I don't know. It's like seeing myself and, and um, you know, warning you know don't don't let it be that way so mm-hmm. yeah so no another the answer is no there has not been any others <laughs> <laughs> is there uh is there
0: anything else that you want before you die
1: i mean um no i mean i don't know boston marathon maybe <laughs> but uh,
0: that's a good one get it get, yeah. get the boston under
1: there I, yeah, I'm not sure. The, I'm not even sure that much about that, though. You know, I'm, I'm open to, you know, goals yeah. changing and everything. 26.2 is a long way, and halves are fun. So. Mm, <laughs> Halfs are a lot more fun than the full. Yeah. yeah. The full just gets real grindy. Yeah. You know, unless you're, like, really
0: into running. And then it's like, okay, fine. Like, yeah. Go for it, man. <laughs> is, I mean, is there, is there any, like, so you, you're, like, kind of hoping for fatherhood. You're hoping for that mate. Is there anything that you want before you start to have those those things that keep you in one place? Like, are there is there any travel that you want to do? Is there anything that you want to see? Like the running bulls, some crazy, like, I don't know, like, Maori war dance. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is there, is what, because especially once you start talking about a family, once you start talking about your career, you're really talking about things that kind of keep you, in one place, kind of not like an anchor or a tether, but you know, you gotta, you gotta stay close to all that stuff. It keeps you, keeps you happy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've already been pretty fortunate. I mean, I definitely would like to do more traveling. I've never been to Europe or anything like that. And I, but in terms of, um, you know, going back to, I, I want to have that peace when it all ends. I, I don't, no, there's nothing really that that needs to happen in order to achieve that peace, except for um, you know just getting a little closer to achieving my potential, um, you know. And and the mm-hmm. the the dream for me is the um, you know the philosopher physician, um, and to pass the value of that on to, to whoever's closest to me, hopefully a, you know my a child. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah, because that that being able to like pour all that stuff into like a little like nascent brand new brain <laughs> yeah it, it's such an interesting idea like there it's and it's it's tough because it's like how much are you like by by like swapping in like some bad stuff and then swapping like swapping out bad stuff and swapping in some good stuff like what are what are the holes that are remaining you know like what other what other things need to go in that brain for them to be like a foot like to be the to reach their potential uh versus like it's i don't know. there's just a lot of like weird weird stuff when you're talking about kids
1: yeah definitely man (laughs) it's like what's going on here like i don't know there's
0: a lot and it's it's tough to understand like uh yeah because it's like if you're reinventing how to raise a child every generation then you don't get that like generational knowledge you don't get like that culture sort of like we were talking earlier like when you have like no culture and then like what do you do in that vacuum and it's like for kids it's such a tough thing to like not have that like long generation thing going on like rites of passage, like get, like, when do you become an adult? Like, you know, it's like, you know, in the Jewish faith, it's like the bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, and like a lot of indigenous cultures, it's like some crazy, like psychedelic ritual, or like, like getting bitten by like thousands of ants in front of (laughs) of you. You know, like that kind of thing. It's like that, but like, like without those like markers going forward and just making that kind of stuff up as you go, it's going to be really tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I, but yeah, you just, you just made me realize that I guess what I want to do is sort of pass along my own little personal culture of, um, don't follow what you were taught, you know, Uh um, sort of tear it all down and then choose very wisely, um, how, what you rebuild it with. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so sort of a philosophical culture and a culture of giving. And if I could, yeah, that would, that's ultimately what I would like to pass along. So. Mm -hmm.
0: That would be, and that would be a great culture. Like somebody, like a group of people, constantly reevaluating: is this the right thing to do? And, you know, and, like moving forward. Like, is is this is this the right belief system? Is this uh, the right way to feel about this thing? And then constantly reevaluating. It. Pretty cool. Yeah. Want to start talking about when you die? Sure. Yeah. How do you finish the prompt? When I die, I want.
1: Um. When I die, uh, you know, well, for one thing, I think that I would like to have a sense of peace, and um, I just hope, again, with the weighing of the scales, that I guess I, the best thing that could happen would would be that the the scales would tip so convincingly in the direction of good <laughs> that there would be so much to be happy about um, for the fact, you know, that I lived and for what I'd given that it could truly be sort of a celebration of life rather than a, you know, because of course that does make it a a bigger, like what loss, so to speak. But, um, I think that, you know, I don't want to only have the loss for people to focus on, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, there's, um,
0: there's something that is really tough about endings for people. And one thing that I've become like really attuned to is like an ending. Is like when, when is it, when is like, there's, there's like, you know, when, when there's a big group of people, you have a big dinner, when, when do you end the dinner? Like, what, you know, like, like, like there's, there's always like a time where it's like, this is the best time to end things, you know, and to move on, and maybe to get to the next phase where now we're all just hanging out, but there's no more food on the table, you know, (laughs) but those transitions and those endings are really, uh, really important. And, like even with a good conversation, like knowing when is this conversation over? Like, you know, and not, not like ending it prematurely, not, not for like a, like a power grab during a conversation, you know, yeah. but like understanding, like w- let's not let this peter out. Like let's let, let's end it on a strong note and like move forward and like do something else with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a tough, that, that's, that's like the, the hardest thing about dying is that it's trying to figure out like, when do I peace out? Like when does this, when is it appropriate for me to like no longer go on and and when am i like grabbing and holding too strongly
1: yeah you know that's uh like i mean the tattoo on my arm here is socrates and he's reaching for his cup of hemlock because yeah. um you know he died for the truth he could have he could have saved himself if he was willing to um give lip service to the accusations all they really wanted him to do was confess but um, you know that's not worth it, and I think going on your ter- your own terms and not compromising, um, you know what's most important to you is a big part of that, and so you have to be willing to to meet the end, so to speak, I guess. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, and like how do, is there like
0: do you do you feel like there are some life experiences that you need to be able to like go into that that transition with gusto with or, or do you feel like it's just something that as you get more on that like awesome scale and you know more convincingly that you are on the on the side of awesomeness
1: that you that that you can make that transition yeah you know i i don't know i think um it's it's kind of tough because when i I guess I feel like I'm already probably in, in the regards that I'm referencing anyway more prepared than my grandfather was because I've had these opportunities to delve into philosophy and all these other things which I, you know, think are so important. But mm-hmm. at the same time, yeah, I mean, I kind of, uh, one of the things they used to ask us in boarding school was if you died right now, what would go on your tombstone, mm. you know, and um, I I kind of know it's going to be on me, you know, and it's probably not going to feel much different than this, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And um at the end of the day you're just going to have to sort of um yeah cope deal with it mm-hmm. move and it, on
0: and it's a it's it's like one it's like a one one equation when you're talking about like single Louis. but then it's a whole different equation when you're talking about Louis married for 20 years with two kids yeah and like that's a whole different beast yeah and being able to like like as you're raising these little brains like how do you like then parse out like, when is it appropriate for, when is it appropriate for me to pass? You know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, man, that's, uh, it really is. I know, you know, the, uh, it's, it's really hard when you see people's fathers get taken away from at what you feel like just couldn't have been the right time and everything, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, I mean, I worry about, I, I, you know, I'm not as healthy as I could be and I've. Probably should start being healthier than I am for the sake of the future people in my life because I know later on i'm gonna I might end up begging for more time mm-hmm. you know that uh right now I'm like fuck it I just drink beer and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? mm-hmm. so
0: it's yeah it's tough because my my grandfather passed very recently um sorry to hear that my friend I appreciate that he uh it was I believe like Sunday or Monday. Oh, you're kidding, um, dude. Yeah, and it was a very weird thing, because I did, I've did. i only met him once. Um, I went to Korea when I was in college, and I was able to meet my grandma and him, and it was weird, because my grandma had a stroke um, a couple, like, a year or two before I visited, so she was pretty, she, she had some disabilities going on, she had trouble sitting up, sitting down, um, and I remember, like... When I try to th- now that I think back on his passing, I try to think back on him, and I only can remember him picking her and up and setting her down. You know, like I don't really remember anything about him. And uh, so when when I my mom told me that he had passed because it's my paternal grandfather, um, I was or my maternal grandfather, um, I was just like, oh man, I'm I'm sorry, mom. Like it's your it's your dad. Like that's a real bummer. Like yeah. I was, you know, yeah. like that's what I was more sad about than like uh, the, his passing for me. It was more like. Uh, the passing for her, um, but it seemed like she was very, at, she's very at peace with it. Um, she, I mean, of course she's sad, it's her dad, uh, but that she felt like, he felt like it was appropriate time for him, you know? And that's, uh, that's a weird thing, uh, especially for like a parent. Um, one of the things that I admire a lot about those uh, like rites of passage and in indigenous cultures that I was talking about earlier is that a lot of them, When they have the rite of passage, when, you know, when they're getting stung by like a thousand ants in front of their whole tribe, um, the parents say to their children, like, after this, the child will be dead. And so will the parents like they're they're no longer bound by the father, son uh, or mother, daughter connection. Like they are now all members of the organization, like that group, the tribe, but they're no longer father, son, mother, daughter. After the after that, uh, mo- that, after that rite of passage, so that it's
1: like they're equals.
0: They're equals. They're um, in in the in the eyes of each other and the tribe. They're equals now. And what that means is that when they pass, they pass as equals, not as they don't hold on to that like my father's dying. You know, it's like right. Carl, the awesome dude, who <laughs> raised me for the first ten years. Of my life, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And uh, like it gives it, it takes that that like away. It, it takes that like little that that. Uh, Away so that uh when you when your parents do die, it's more you can see them as the equals that they are rather than as the parents that they were, yeah, and I really admire that, uh, but unfortunately, it's one of those things where it's like you got to get everybody on the same page, and it's like to get a whole culture to uh, like uh, get that idea is really tough
1: yeah, oh yeah
0: yeah i uh I don't know man it's a tough thing it's a very very tough thing what else do you want when you die you want People to, um, to, for it to be so, for your life have, to have been so great, or so, at least so not terrible, <laughs> yeah. that, people, that people are like, okay, cool, Louis going, this is great. Yeah,
1: I guess, uh, I don't want anybody to be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> ideally, ideally, or if they are, well, at least quietly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um,
0: yeah. Do you know what you'd want the moment of your passing to look like?
1: Um, you, you know, I, I guess, um, I'm not really into this whole, like, you know, gastric cancer, your terminal, you know, you know, you basically have a week and you're just in miserable, miserable pain. I mean, I know this is also a little bit, a little bit greedy beggars can't be choosers, but, um, <laughs> I would like it, I would hopefully like to go, you know, a little more naturally and, and at least in a, um you know, somewhat tolerable amount of pain or state of, um, you know, illness or whatever. And in fact, I don't know about you, but I'm a big, um, I'm a big proponent for assisted suicide. I think dying on your own terms is, uh, it makes a lot of sense. I understand that it's a bitch (laughs) 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 medico-legally. But uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, the big, I mean, I have a, I have a tattoo of someone choosing to die. Because, you know, uh, he went on his terms that it, and I think that, yeah, why go, go and be remembered, you know, the, for, for what you are at the time when it was your time and, and, and keep that dignity. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it is a
0: very tough thing in, in this like Western world where, um, death is sort of like the, the non option that when all others are taken away from you, that is when you die rather than as from the get go, you don't get that as an option to choose from, you don't get to be like, I want to go now because everything feels right. You know, there's very little, it's always, there's nothing we can do now. Now you got to ride this out. Yeah. And it's like, you know,
1: no, that's, I mean, I've, you know, Mary was a vet and, uh, I mean, animals, my goodness, you think of this animal suffering and you would never just make your dog ride that out. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ, you wouldn't, that's, and you'd think someone was terrible for, for making them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't, you know, you know when it's time. And, uh, and so I just think that we let the, like the, the, I mean, I understand, like I said, I mean, it is a bitch medical legally, but really, what, what are you, I mean, letting that get in the way of, um, dude, uh, that's terrible to, mm-hmm. to abandon someone in that state. Say, yeah. nope, it's on you now.
0: Yeah. that yeah. And that's such a, we we don't get to choose the fact that we're born. We don't get to choose who we're born into the family that we're born into. Um, but it's just like the last little bit of like self sovereignty to be able to choose how you die is so important, and it's such so low
1: on like society's like like priority list. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I know there was that guy Jack of and I haven't read that much about him, but that uh the quote dying is not a crime is, is, um, I think that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah, I remember we were talking about, um, dying in select and, uh, it was just, it's like, it's just such a weird thing of like how we, it's like, I remember reading something about how 50 years ago, dying of natural causes was such a common thing to have written on your death certificate. And now it is very uncommon. Now it is always due to renal failure. It is always due to uh like respiratory failure or respiratory arrest or cardiac failure or car you know, like those kinds of things, giving it a reason rather than just they died. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like there's so much there's so much beauty in that, just being able to say like they just died. Like we don't have to they don't have to do an autopsy to figure it out, you know? Like yeah. just, just let them be. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I agree. All those causes are, uh, are natural, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. And I, I, we, uh, I, it, as a result, as like one of the requirements for a second year of medical school is to visit and view an autopsy. And I remember like the, the, the mortician or, uh, the medical examiner was talking about like all of the, all the reasons why someone would go in there. Like why, why would they receive the body? Like whether it's a questionable death or like, you know, the family wants it. And I remember like asking her like, under what conditions, would somebody in Hillsborough County die and not have an autopsy? And it was a surprisingly small... Oh, you know? really? Like, you would have to you'd have to basically die in the presence and under the care of a physician who could be able to say, like, yep, yeah, totally normal, totally understandable. But, like, you couldn't die at home with just your family. You really? Know? Dude, it's oh, man. I never thought about
1: that. But I do know that I don't want it to be autopsied. Oh, I don't want anybody to get in on this unless they're my family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, my autopsy, yeah, that that was an interesting experience, in, in and, yeah, that wasn't something I want for my family either, yeah, or myself. Or Because it's, it's, it's like, they're, they're all professionals about it. They're goofy. They're
0: wacky, goofy people. But, you know, it's at the same time, it's like, this is my body. And it's like, I don't, I only want a couple people, like, I, I told Mackenzie this, that if she finds me down and I'm not breathing, I don't want her to perform CPR on me. Like, I don't want that to happen. And furthermore, I don't want anyone to touch her but me after I die. Like, if that's at all possible. I don't want, like, any strangers to come into the house with stress and, like, craziness and, like, pull my body out and then, like, you know what I mean? I, I just want it to, like, if, I, if I'm down, I'm down. and just, like, let that ride because um, I don't want her to, like, have the stress of, like, if she could just do CPR better, then he would have lived, you know? Yeah, she That kind of thing. And it's really, really tough to be
1: able to... Uh, yeah, no, that's really cool though, and that's um. It sounds like you put some, some very reasonable thought into it, you know, and like an actual plan. Yeah, because I, I don't even know that I'm there yet in terms of um a vision for you know who and what to do. So because mm-hmm. it's, it's it's far, hopefully far in the future. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hopefully,
0: you got a at least a couple more days. <laughs> yeah, right. But it is. It's a very weird thing to make it like specific. Um. And it's like something that I haven't talked to my parents a whole lot about because I know that they're still, you know, they're still healthy. They're walking a lot. They're taking dancing lessons. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, but it's it's a tough thing to like make it like very granular, like get very very specific.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I, you know what? I mean, I might even, I mean, that's a that was pretty hard hitting. I think you're exactly right. I mean, I definitely I'm agreeing with you. That's so much better. Just to. Go. Have her, yeah, just take her, care of it. Yeah, like I want, I just
0: want her hands, like, I, or or my children. It's like I don't want any, any stranger all up in this. Like after the fact, like I want my my family to know that I, I was just down and then I was buried.
1: There. Yeah. Like, where does that even come from? Like, how did that end up being someone's job? And then like, you know, and end up being like a, this county thing, they're going to intervene and yeah. autopsy me and they're going to like, pull
0: apart, like almost everybody that dies in this county. It's a very bizarre thing. It like, is. I don't, There, there's no there's and like, granted, it's not their job to make it a ceremony, but there's no there's no ritual aspect of it. There's no like hmm. reverence of it. Yeah, <laughs> no. From learning from that autopsy, yeah, definitely no ritual. Yeah, it was so t- like I remember it was just like this really weird thing. Like we were all so timid, and like this happened during like cadaver lab when we were dissecting the body. But you know it's so different because they're so much squishier than the cadavers were. Um, but like I remember like how quiet everyone was before this, the 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 autopsy started, and then once they started cutting, and then we were passing on organs like yeah. like like they were candy. It was just like, I remember just being like you all lost it immediately, like as soon as, <laughs> yeah, you know, like as soon as that first incision happened, they totally forgot that this was a person, you know, that, yeah, and it was just like one of those it was just a weird weird thing, like like not just the professionals, but also like the classmates, I was just like, man, you guys,
1: you guys need to sustain that like <laughs> you can't yeah. just lose it immediately, yeah, you know, I mean our guy i mean i'm not i won't I won't say any names, obviously, but um you know, when they excised the bladder and were you know dumping. The pee out. The examiner goes, "Ah, he can't make noises, so I got to make him for him." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "On the one hand, uh, it's it's like you know, it's cool that you're making light of this and trying to make it cool for your students and everything." And hey, maybe this guy we're autopsying would have laughed his ass off and thought that was funny as shit, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you got to be pretty fucking jaded, yeah. Like to to, I mean.
0: God. And Sarah. I understand it. I get it, but it's still it's just tough. It's it's tough because the people that are getting autopsied don't get a choice. Like and yeah. auto- you know, it's just very it's just
1: very like I don't even know. Yeah, this you know, our guy had just been like found and um and that was it, you know. Uh that yeah, it was we found a body. Check it out. Look around in there, <laughs> see what's going oh, Dump the piss out, you know, yeah. like that's really sad. So. Have you
0: have you been in the presence of someone as they were transitioning into death?
1: Um, I mean, I imagine. Uh, I mean, no, I have. I have not been there like uh, there continuously with someone and, and sort of watched other than my grandfather, you know, closely. Um, and then my grandmother, and well, I guess all my grand, all my grandparents <laughs> except for my paternal grandmother, mm-hmm. but yeah. That's, yeah, and it's um, you know what what did happen though was I found out that I found out that uh, someone that I I'd, I'd been like pretty much, like you know how you have that best friend like when I lived in Brazil I mean which was only it was less than a year but like the whole time I was there I was uh like was always hanging out with this guy from Portugal named Aníbal mm-hmm. and uh like. We Just hung out all day. He was supposed to be there going to school. I was really just there fucking off. You know? <laughs> and he skipped school every fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> we got fucked up in Brazil and like lived the dream, dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I, I mean, it was, and then eventually like I was enrolled in school as an excuse to stay. Mm-hmm. But oh yeah, we lived the dream. And then, uh, and I get, you know, Nebel was, uh, he was 19, 20, and I was 18. And, um, I mean, Talk about brothers. I mean, we made, like, all these plans for the future and, and all this stuff. We knew everything about each other. And then he moved back to Portugal. A little bit of time goes by, and then I found out he's dead. And not only that he was dead, but that he got freaking hepatitis and a brain tumor, like, at the same time, and mm-hmm. um, and that he had suffered terribly. And then it had gone so poorly. And then, like, I remembered... Uh, he was always saying like let's Skype, let's Skype, let's Skype but like it had been a few years and I don't know I was always like yeah yeah you know like next weekend next weekend and so that was uh that's the worst death for me that I that I can think of because I wasn't there for it so mm. is that is that what did you learn from that Definitely um you know I guess you just gotta appreciate um uh, people and and uh, yeah don't don't take for granted what you have and definitely don't take the time for granted and um you know and remember you know like especially with medical school and all this I mean have you become a lot more distant from close people because this this mm-hmm. the commitment's drawn you in you mm-hmm. know I don't even fight that you know fuck it yeah I'm gonna pass my tests you know but shit, dude, at the end of the day, like I'm not a medical student first mm-hmm. and, um, and I need to be a friend first and a family member first and, um, and keep that, you know,
0: I hear the you. forefront. So. It's
1: tough. And it's so, it's
0: so like in order to get into medical school, you have to be so future oriented. You, <laughs> yeah. you have to be like, I am sacrificing this fun stuff now so that later I can be an awesome philosopher physician. But it's it's really really tough because you're always like future. You're always like like let me look forward like see like two months and I'm gonna be ready for step like all of that stuff. But it is it is so difficult to remain uh, present, especially with the people around you, uh, and even tougher with the people that are physically away from you um, that you don't see every day. Yeah, um, and that's that's like for me. Yeah. That's why I do like shit like this podcast and like my writing because I know that I am not good at keeping tabs with. People. I'm really bad at it. I'm, I can, I get very like, if it's not in here, then I'm not, if it's not like directly in front of my face, I'm not going to, I'm i very poor at keeping that a priority. But I know that people that care about me, uh, that I would love to sit down and talk to, um, they, they will probably listen to this stuff or they'll probably read stuff. And like, that's, that's the, that's one of the big things that drop, that helps me maintain these practices is that knowing that like, it is a very small like lifeline that keeps me tethered to people that I care about. Yeah, because um, it's just tough, you know. It's like Skyping. It's 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 great. It's a crazy cool tool that we have now. But you know, it's it's um, at the end of it. it and it's, I don't want to like d- demean it, but it's like at the end of the day, you're connecting with one person uh, for an hour, you know, versus yeah. like connecting to like a hundred people for an hour, you know. It's like yeah, it's, it's, it's unnatural. It's very weird. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, we have all these tools, but it's like whether or not we use them, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think um, one of the things, this, the, the podcasts and, and the writing and everything, I mean, that's so cool. And I think uh, it, it's cool to me that you're at least able to demonstrate sort of, you know, that you're using your time in, in really productive, really cool ways. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so I hope that, um, you know, you can, after having shared that, that, that they, not only understand the distance, but can be proud of you for it Mm -hmm. and see it as a sacrifice and not as a, not as, you know, an abandonment or neglecting anyone, you know, Mm -hmm. because you know what, we all have that a little bit. And I hope that, uh, you know, I think that at least you do that because I haven't always, I think a lot of people are, are, haven't known what it's all for. They, you know, it just seemed like a goodbye. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, uh, it's that yeah and 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 that what was your friend's name aneb anebl nebel yeah you know like uh like um like hannibal without the h oh anebl oh that's super cool okay yeah. anebl um that
0: is it's such a the the friendships that you make with somebody in a foreign place is such a deep like yeah. and it's like it's so deep and it's so fast and it's wonderful um, but it's also something that's tough to like it's tough to go from that kind of a friendship to now one of distance yeah it's to, to like have that connect just people like yo let's hang out all day and all night yeah, <laughs> same yeah. thing tomorrow yeah. uh, but and to go from that to like maybe once a month we might send each other a line like to, yeah. to like keep that it's, it's tough like i I've, there are so many friends that i have that like i was like really really close with for at least like a year or two but then to like lose it and to like now we're far and it's like how do I connect back with them? Like, oh, do we reestablish a brand new friendship that is like kind of independent of like a past one because it's like it's so different and like that military
1: thing where it's like, do we we're we dating
0: before we enter the military? Or did yeah, we know that I'm in the you know it's like all that craziness.
1: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring that too because you know sometimes like are you are if the growth isn't happening together? I mean, because we're both gonna grow, you know, apart, uh, converge, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it doesn't always happen. That is sad. And I know. Well, like, and with a Nebel, another interesting thing is that, so he was from Portugal and then he moved to France. And then while he was in France, he went to a British um school. So that's where he learned his English. Mm-hmm. He learned his English at a British school in France and he was Portuguese. So mm-hmm. he talk about like the craziest language barrier and accent and stuff mm-hmm. going on. I mean, uh, that whole thing was crazy. And I, Unfortunately, it was not yeah conducive to the um communicating on the same level after the distance, you know mm-hmm. especially after he um you know he wasn't speaking very much English once we weren't friends you know so. mm-hmm. it's,
0: yeah and it's it's just very it's just very tough because it's like some friendships just have like a an expiration yeah that's just like and it's like it's 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 weird. To, like, a, this idea of, like, breaking up with a friend, like, yeah, it's it, yeah. something that we don't, like, talk about, like, but, like, ending, like, especially with, with technology and being able to keep tabs on people, it's, like, it's, it's a weird thing to, like, know, like, I was really good friends with you, but now I don't talk to you at all. And, yeah. like, I don't know if I'd want to talk to you now. Yeah, you know, yeah, It's, it's a very tough thing to be able to be, just, like, to have that realization of, like, man, I have the option, but do I want to take it? yeah. So you want it to be a celebration when you die because you did so much awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, you want, what else do you want when you die?
1: I don't know. i tell you what, though. It'd be better if I, would, you know, now that we're on this topic, if I was better at saying goodbye because I've always been terrible at saying goodbye, too. Like, mm-hmm. I'm the worst at letting go and saying, and like, yeah. So I need to get better at that. And and hopefully that'll be easier for me. (laughs) How uh, how would you get better at saying goodbye? Shit, if I know, man, (laughs) you're so bad at it. Yeah, I'm really, I'm that bad at it. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, it's tough. Cause it's uh,
0: it's like a weird. It's like you know, if you if you give this big heartfelt goodbye. And then you see them like in a month, it's like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's like tough. It's like, do you make it really, really heartfelt? Do you make it like, do you like try to give up like all of the love all at once? Or do you just like, are you, do you just like give a small goodbye
1: and are just okay with it if that
0: happens to be the last one, you
1: know? Yeah, that, that is kind of scary. Do you have that, um, you know, I tend to try to set the bar pretty high and then it's weird cuz then you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah but this time bye <laughs> i guess like, it's a lot like retirement
0: it's like do you are you do you start balling out as soon as you retire cuz you don't think you're going to live very long yeah. or, do you, or do you live very very frugally and assuming you're going to live for a long time
1: you know <laughs> that's rolling the dice man yeah the big dice <laughs> 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 okay uh do you want to start talking about after
0: you die yeah sure all right how do you finish the prompt after i die
1: i want after i die i mean i don't i don't want anything because i'm i uh you know again back to all i all i really know is that i don't know what it's going to be like for me or anything and um at that point all i can wish for is um you know for things to go well for the for the other people in my life and i'm I don't even know who those people are yet, like, you know, in a big way, in terms of like, you know, a spouse and child and everything. So that's a toughie. Yeah, it is. Are you optimistic or
0: pessimistic about the future?
1: Uh, I'm, I've, I mean, I, I'm optimistic. I, I definitely want to put myself on the optimistic side, but of course, realistic, you know, mm-hmm. um, Lord knows, I mean, I drink enough beer to give myself some gastric cancer right now, you know. And uh, so I think, you know, a healthy dose of caution is good and and uh, and appreciation and respect for the the dice I'm rolling that, you know, living the way I do and having fun the way I do. And, um, you know, and I also like. I don't know. I'm really scared. I don't want to lose my scholarship, you know, um, for medical school. And so that's, like, a lot of pressure. And so sometimes I have a hard time being optimistic about my medical career and, and optimistic about all that stuff because it really just feels like pressure. Mm, so, but, Consequences. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, you know how long we've worked for this. Like, shit, <laughs> don't even t- talk about it slipping away. I mean, my mm. God. But at the same time, what am I going to do? I not, I'm not resigning myself to a cave and, you know, like, memorizing all first aid. The thing is, that's not even medicine. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? And that's why I'm looking forward to third years because I, I want to get back to what medicine is and all this, you know, I don't, I don't give a shit if it's the APOE4 gene. I mean, like, we're going to get a positive test result, a negative test result and everything, but all this, and that's kind of important, you know, Alzheimer's. <laughs> but, but just as an example, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think uh, all this minutia is like, that's going to be in the background, so...
0: Yeah, it is uh, trying to it's it's weird, especially with like all the assessments that we're doing, like the neuropsych, like like a very formal history and physical gathering. Like I have to do everything. It's it's very it's very weird because it's not like I I haven't really been sick. Like I've never really like been on the receiving end of like a very compassionate physician that like inspired me to go into medicine. Yeah, um, I don't really like I've had a, you know, I do my normal PCP's, but it's a very I I like don't really know what it's like to like ha- see the magic and art of medicine in its full, full glory, you know? Yeah. And that's one thing I'm looking forward to in third year, seeing like preceptors and, and like residents like do medicine, like really do it like in a way that is like, oh, this is like, okay. Like first aid and all that stuff. That's like the basis level of medicine, and this is like the highest, most beautiful form. Um, and like, I don't know what that's going to look like. I haven't seen it. Like, I haven't, you know, I haven't been sick. I haven't, uh, thankfully. Uh, but it's also like I don't. I just want to see what this like is going to look like in its full expression. You know.
1: Yeah, that's a. Uh, you know, I, all I mean. I understand that we've got to learn all this, and and I'm um and I. I'm nothing but grateful for the opportunity because that's really all uh, we can be grateful for my school. And um, but at the same time, I mean, we're going to end up in hospitals or wherever we're going to get, you know, for infections, uh, sensitivity. You know, we're, we're going to get the um, the cultures back and everything. And we're not even really going to have a choice of what antibiotic to use because there's not going to be that many in the damn fridge because the mm-hmm. administration is not going to pay for, you know, everything under the sun and stuff. And so a lot of the stuff that they seem to be confusing us or, you know, I mean, it's not that's not the, that's not the decisions you're going to have to make. A lot of that stuff is going to work itself out. And frankly, a lot of it's going to change. And mm-hmm. I think that um, I think it's like, yeah, it's refreshing to my to to hear you say that, like, you recognize what we're doing as such, that this is this is a precursor. This isn't really what medicine is. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I agree. And I think medicine, um, there was one there was one resident when I worked at Shan's, Jonathan Holloway. And man, this this dude, like an emergency room doctor, but just always smiling. He had this curly hair and he would mm-hmm. make people happy. And man, there was nothing like seeing a really sick little kid come in, distraught parents that are just freaking out. And then, you know, six, eight hours later, you know, the kid's walking out with a lollipop and a teddy bear and the parents are just like, thank God for Dr. Holloway. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, that's what it's all about. That's what I want to do, you know. So mm. I think that's that's more like what medicine is. And I think, um, I don't know, it's also, I look back on my inspiration like the kids and, and literally, I mean, having the desire at Camp Boggy Creek before I even um, decided that I was going to go retake 19 failed classes, that if I could take some of their pain literally away just and trade places with them for a day to give them a reprieve, um that I would but then I had this idea well but if you do medicine thank god you don't have to because you can just you know sort of provide the medicine but at the same time that's not true either because when you delve into these people's lives i mean if you're compassionate this shit's going to weigh on you too i mean mm-hmm. you know it's the it's it's also how your day went is what happened <laughs> to them mm-hmm. you know and that's fucked up and and if you're that good at compartmentalizing it then Jesus, really? I mean, <laughs> yeah. so I think in a sense we are, you know, I think, you know, you're, you're definitely going to do well. I, you know what I mean? I, I feel strongly that, that you will. And um, yeah, and I, and I hope I do too. And um, I feel like it's going to be for a lot of the same reasons, you know, mm-hmm. so uh,
0: and it's a, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's an interesting road that we're on. And uh, one thing you were talking about earlier about like how it's like, not gonna give this up now <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> it's it's weird to like know that there are people that are quietly like leaving medicine now like at this stage like people are failing at a second year people are like resigning and like like all that stuff it's very unlike like man i want to know like I, like i don't want it i wish that like their ending of of this dream wasn't quiet i wish we could like all hear about what's happening yeah you know, me the, too man because those are some of the more interesting stories like i have a I was working, I interview him right yeah, right but like i don't know who they are like that's yeah you know, it happens so quietly that it's like yeah well yeah they don't want us to know exactly mm-hmm. and it's like uh i i had a i was i was working at dana farber uh before med school and uh i was talking with a respiratory tech and he i was telling him yeah i'm applying to med school i'm gonna take the mcats in like a year or two and he was like oh that's cool because uh, i went through med school myself and i was like oh really. It was like yeah I uh, I finished the first two years fine and then once I got into clinic during third year when people started calling me doctor I had panic attacks and like I had to drop out because I just couldn't handle the pressure of like being the doctor and like I was like shit <laughs> 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 I was like I better figure out if I can handle it now, and <laughs> yeah. you know, like that kind of thing but it's it's just like that like what kind of a,
1: like that story right there you're just like shit yeah poor guy man. Yeah, but it, I mean, I know I I can tell that he appreciated the gravity. Yeah,
0: like that, and that's the thing. It's like if it's I respect him so much because of how much he respected that gravity, rather yeah. than being like, well, I hope I figure this out. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah,
1: which a lot of you know, and uh, again, our class. I mean, you you got younger people in your class. I mean, that's just how the education system is set up. And uh, mm. yeah, it's it can be a little scary to think. The Situations where people are gonna to have to figure that out as they go, yeah. So that's just, uh, yeah, that's just the fun part
0: of uh, learning how to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, after you die, you want uh, you hopefully want nothing because uh, people
1: because
0: you'll hopefully be fine,
1: yeah. You know, I think uh, yeah, pretty much. I know that uh, if I do, if it does have to be like, you know, in a hospital or whatever, I've heard, I knew this respiratory therapist that they, he said that for a while they were giving the respiratory therapist keys to the roof, to the helicopter landing pad at Shans because some te- some people who were conscious would, it was basically became time for them to be extubated and die. And uh, some of them were like, well, uh, they would offer, let's let's do it tonight under the stars you know, and take you to the roof as long as the helicopter Mm -hmm. wasn't coming in. Mm -hmm. And so I think that even if it has to be in a way that's not ideal and everything, that there are certain ways to make it better. And I think that, um, yeah, I just hope that that the circumstances permit, um, uh, that it doesn't have to seem like this tragedy Mm -hmm. that, that, uh, you know, it can still, there can still be good ways and, and, um, respect can be shown and, and ultimately good can come out of it you know mm-hmm. so but i would rather it not be on the roof of shans to then you know be autopsied mm-hmm. so yeah like to keep it to like preserve that yeah
0: yeah that is uh, a are. yeah it's like waiting for the it's like having like a perfect date it's like you're never gonna have a perfect <laughs> yeah date. Just, that's right just yeah. like be okay with what you got and, yeah uh, be grateful yeah and that's tough but it's uh it is a good practice to uh to have an do you, um, do you know, do you, can you imagine, do you have a feeling of what it will, what, what post death
1: will be? No, all I know is that I know nothing. I think, uh, I, I'm not, um, I just, I live in the whole, in the, in the sort of what the the realm of philosophy is weird as that sounds or cheesy, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't make arguments for things that I that I have no argument for and as far as whatever's gonna happen after this. Um no, I don't really have a good argument that I can infer uh what's gonna happen, but um yeah, so
0: just gonna figure it out when it happens? Yeah, I
1: guess so. Yeah. It's a good good plan. Yeah. Um I don't know. What do you, you believe in the afterlife?
0: I, uh, there's just some, I just think that there's too much weirdness happening for there not to be something after. Yeah. You know, like I just feel like there's, I don't know what, but there's going to be some, like there's, there's probably something like, there's just like, ah, I don't know. There's just a lot of weirdness and, uh, good weirdness and bad weirdness. Um, and, uh, it's not that it would be a shame if there was nothing after, but it would just like, I just, you know, there's just too much going on. Like, this is a weird thing that we got, like, with this whole life thing that's happening right now around us, it's just real weird. And it's like, I don't think it's over when we close our eyes.
1: Yeah, that's why I also don't bother making arguments against, mm-hmm. you know, because that's, that's, it's also doesn't seem right. But I know. I guess for me, what it comes, and especially the whole Jehovah's Witness thing growing up, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that it's cool for people to do all this good in the name of Jesus and salvation because I think that good is an end in itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that whatever's going to happen, if if we have any bearing on the outcome, um, the time to have the bearing is, is now and now for what's going on now and not for what's going on later, mm-hmm. you know? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like Marcus Aurelius said, uh, he said, when you've done good and another has benefited, why do you crave a third reward as fools do who wish to be thanked or repaid, mm-hmm. you know? And so if you're really all that worried about salvation and all this shit for yourself, I mean, look around you and, and help others and see that that makes you better. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, don't be it. You, then you won't have to fear what's coming. Mm. So, yeah. So we've... uh. We
0: started with Marcus Aurelius, and I think we'll finish with Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, So we've been talking for a little bit, like two hours, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I would uh, thank you for your time and for your for your lovely philosophizing. <laughs> uh, it's been great, and uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. And I just want to give you the last couple minutes, um, whatever you want to talk about, whatever you want to say to the audience. Uh, to past Louie, to future Louis, to future Louis kids, or to future Louis spouse. Um, whatever you want to say in, concluding, uh, in conclusion for any thoughts that you have uh, to sort of wrap up this uh, conversation with a nice bow. Uh, you know,
1: I think that I'd be remiss if I didn't finish with a thank you. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I've also very much looked forward to it. And um, I think that what you're doing is a, is a really, really cool thing. It's been a privilege um, not only to be a part of this, but just to know you. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, thank you. And, and thank everyone else, too, who, who may hear my thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: All right. Uh, this has been uh, Louis Espinoza on death. Thank you, uh,
1: brother. Big hug. Big hug, brother. Uh-huh. So what is your name, and how do you spell it? So my name is Luis Espinosa, but I prefer to spell it Louie, L-U-I, drop the S, -hmm. and then uh, Espinosa, E-S-P-I-N-O-S-A. Why do you like to drop the S? I think, honestly, it's a, I think it all started as a little bit of, You know, my name's Luis, but I don't speak Spanish, so kind of clear up any confusion just go by Louie, you know, so that I don't get that as much. And then, uh, yeah, it's kind of convenient to drop the S instead of add the O, you know, and an E. Oh,
0: I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, It's just like, kind of like, let's just slim it down. (laughs) Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, What is your age? 31. Uh, What is your gender identity and preferred
1: set of pronouns? I'm a dude, and... uh, I guess... Dude pronouns? Dude pronouns, <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> uh,
0: And when I say home, what do you think of?
1: Um, home is... Uh, I mean, it's inside of me. As Marcus Aurelius said, um, if you live, you know, if you live according to your uh, your virtues, then I guess inside of your mind should be the best place for you to retreat into and take a little vacation anytime you need it as long as you're treating yourself well in there. Mm. So, for me, I think uh it's my job to carry home with me and um I don't really identify a place as home really. So, is that uh something that you've always felt? Is that something
0: that you've developed into um how long have you held home inside?
1: Um, well, Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I developed into. I think, you know, my childhood was a little bit crazy. So uh, it sort of left me longing for a true home. And um, yeah, I guess once I got started with philosophy, that's that's when I found that there were people talking about the things that I'd been longing to talk about my whole life without knowing it, you know. And so, yeah, and so this concept of home sort of, yeah, evolved with, with that, uh, you know, initiation with philosophy. Mm. Oh, how was your, how was your childhood a little,
0: a little crazy?
1: Um, so I'm the youngest of, um, four siblings and, um, you know, so the older two, I mean, didn't even make it through middle school. They were already in drug rehab. And, um, so I was, you know, Missing certain days of elementary school to go visit my sister in, in rehab, and she was only an eighth grader. Mm. Um, so yeah, two out of four I mean they they went to prison i I planned on going to prison basically because
0: um, that's the model that was set for.
1: yeah you. so we're like, where did you grow up physically? So uh, I was in Gainesville, Florida, and mm. then um, yeah, I guess when stuff started to get pretty bad. Then I got sent to a boarding school in Maine, and uh, then after Maine, yeah, I came back and then still wasn't good, so I disappeared to Brazil for a little bit and then came back and still wasn't good, so then I (laughs) got in my Toyota Camry and shagged ass up to Boston, Massachusetts for a little while, so. Oh, so does the Northeast
0: uh, have like a a draw for you, or is is it just, uh, you happen to go to Maine for that boarding school and you happen to escape, uh, Florida and go to Boston though?
1: So, well, actually there was, um, which by the way, am I allowed to say illegal shit on here? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I was a lot of the time that, um, you know, things kind of didn't go well. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you the story. Fuck it. Yeah. So my mom sort of forgot me at soccer practice this one day and there was a Brazilian kid on my team and, um his parents were there picking him up and they're like, dude, what's this kid doing out here, you know? And, uh, I didn't know my dad that well. So Sergio ended up kind of becoming like my father and that's who I stayed with in Brazil and his, um, his nieces and, and, um, a lot of his relatives were coming to America for, uh, different academic programs and everything. And, uh, his niece, Isabel, uh, lived in Boston. So when I was like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going to go, but I need to get out of here. Isabel was like, well, you can always come to Boston, you know. I mean, I'm illegal. If I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> Fuck, you know, come deliver pizzas, do what it takes. So, yeah, and, and um, I sort of followed suit with the Brazilians because, you know, leaving my family, I realized that they um, they were so much more hardworking. They had nothing, but they were so much happier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Isabel was up there working for $5 an hour in a pizza shop and she was like, thought it was great because she could make as much money as she wanted because she could work as many hours as she wanted. And she was sending that home and she was happy. Mm -hmm. I mean, mind blown, you know? (laughs) Uh, so yeah, that's, so that's how I ended up in Brazil. And I mean, pardon me, that's how I ended up in Boston. And then when I got there, I just sort of followed suit because, I I wanted to um be as happy as them and so I just sort of packed myself into one of the little apartments with them like a sardine lived the way they lived and got what I could out of the experience.
0: Mm-hmm. So and I have a very limited exp- experience with Brazilians but I know they're such an interesting people. They're like they're there's there's it's such a huge country. There are so many uh, regional and, and, like, colonial influences on them. Yeah. And and they're just so, they're just so different in, in like, a very interesting way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they really are. They know how to party, but, man, they know how to work hard. Yeah. 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 So. Very, very
0: interesting folks. Um, so what is something in the past six months that you have been proud of?
1: Um. Well... In the past six months, I guess, uh, you know, the, well, the first thing that comes to mind is me, I, I finished top 10% in Gasparilla. So Well, I mean, they, they, they slid <laughs> me in, they're like, it's like 11, 10, take the mug, you got to do it. So, <laughs> so whatever, 11%, 10%, either way, I was pretty stoked by that, I was sharing the course with Olympic runners, you know, so. Oh, shit.
0: That's a pretty nice feeling. Yeah. And uh, is that something that you've worked hard for? The uh, the being able to say that you finish in the top ten percent for Gasparilla is that something that uh, is, is kind of incidental, or is it not? That, is it just that you're like, oh, this is a cool marker of my progress in training?
1: Yeah, I th- well, it's for me. It's about reaching my full potential, and um, I would like to do that. You know, as a physician, um, as a father, and as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's a. Um, it was definitely a, a great sort of stepping stone. Towards my larger goal, which was qualifying for the Boston Marathon eventually. Oh, so. that's a cool one. And, and while you were living in Boston, were you able to see
0: it? No, um, never did. It's a cool thing. I mean, I, I went, um, I did, I raced uh, 2012 and 2013. And 13 was when the bombing happened. Uh, but I didn't, I haven't had a chance to see it You ran it, was, it? Yeah, I was in it. And they stopped, they stopped the race while I was running it. Uh, because it was just like. Yeah, it was really it was really Holy crazy. Shit, yeah. It was a, it was a pretty wild day, and um, yeah, so I abandoned it both times. So I like ran. My <laughs> I, I had a buddy who was just like who was like drove us out to the starting line because it's it's not like a loop or anything. It's just you start way we start twenty six miles outside of Boston and then you run to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty easy that way. And uh, I, yeah, like oh, like right around mile like twenty twenty one when you're starting to get a little loopy and just like oh my god, what's happening. That's when, um, they were like, the cops were like speeding by and people started to like block the raceway like, and they're just like, stop, get off the course. You're done for the day. And we were like, what? And they were like, there was a, there was an explosion and we were like, what? And I remember there was this like Romanian lady or like some, some Eastern European lady like in her fifties, like kind of like, you know, she's getting back, she's getting in shape, you know, that kind of thing. And she's running this race with us and, um. And we were trying to like pantomime to her that there was an explosion at the finish line and that's why we can't finish the race and she just couldn't understand what oh, was you know? My God. And it's yeah. so tough because I imagine she traveled, you know, it was like one of those things. But that was a crazy time. But the race itself is amazing because like for twenty-six miles, there are like everybody in Boston just goes and they drink and they watch the race. It's, yeah. it's like the slowest, laziest parade ever. <laughs> <laughs> people people it's like a whole experience and like um you know, people will run for, like, a couple miles. If, the, if they're, like, at BC or Boston College, they'll race, like, five miles, you know, to to the actual thing, to the finish line. Just because just it's, like, it's along the course. Right yeah. There.
1: It's good stuff. Dude, that is so awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, if, even if I don't qualify, I really need to get up there for one of the races, it sounds like. Yeah, it's just a cool
0: experience. It was a, I mean, I haven't run any other marathons, but it was just, like, a very cool
1: experience. You know, like, very cool vibe, and, like, it was just Plus, running bandit—that's got to be on the bucket list too, man. I need to do that sometime. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, nice. I know that some races
0: are a little more bandit friendly than others. Yeah, and, yeah. and Boston was partic—was at least particularly before the before 2013—pretty uh, uh, bandit friendly. Uh, so that's why we did it. And now I don't know how it is now, but I've heard that they've been a little bit less less chill about bandits. Sometimes.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I heard that um, the Boston. So after the bomb, like. One of the first people they interviewed that gave, like, one of the longest segments was a bandit. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they didn't know at the time. <laughs> but you know the story of Boston Bobby? No. So that's a really cool story because back before women, I think, were even allowed to run it, this was, like, late 60s, there was this girl named Boston Bobby, and she was 14 years old. So mm. she just put a hoodie over her head. She was wearing full sweats to cover herself because, she, you know, she didn't want to get busted. And she went out there, and I don't know if she won, but it was like she's the—it's the legend of Boston Bobby. Because at the end, she unveiled herself as a 14-year-old girl. Oh man! Yeah, so it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I get goosebumps talking about Boston Bobby. So it's a cool thing being able to just like sick it to the to the man. Like <laughs> yeah. That. And uh, what is something in the next six months that you're looking forward to? Um, in the next six months. I think the big thing I'm looking forward to is um, moving on to clinics um, just because I, I I'm definitely not in my wheelhouse here doing all this (laughs) rote memorization out of books. And uh, I'm not a, yeah, my talent is definitely not as a student. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I either need to do it hands on or argue, come up with arguments for or against. And that's how I learn, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, are you, are you looking forward to it because it's
0: more in, like, as you said, like in your wheelhouse or is it that you're looking forward to a challenge? Do you think you'll do well? Is that what, like what, uh, what parts of it are particularly are drawing you to like, like, you're like, get, just get past step one, get past the, all the book stuff
1: and then move on to the clinic. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm very confident that uh, I'm going to do well. In fact, I I think that it's going to be my opportunity. I mean, I've, to shine, more or less, even though that's a strong way to put it. Um, because yeah, I think my approach to this whole thing was, um, you know, so I more or less minored in the um, in the history of medicine, really learned a lot about, um, you know, Dr. Osler, for example, but even all the way back to, you know, ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, um, you know, this whole medicine thing is really about the brotherhood. It's about, um, you know, the sacred rite of passage of, getting this privilege that people give you a window into their lives and so trusting. And, um, I really think that, um, yeah, I haven't really had an opportunity to, um, you know, to be as compassionate as I'm going to be and make the difference that I'm going to make in the classroom. Mm, so
0: mm-hmm. it's a very, it's a, it's like to me, like in the clinic, you're, you have such like free reign almost like you can do so much, so much interesting stuff. But then the classroom is just such an artificial environment. It's like, it's like sailing on, on the, the open ocean versus like being in a kiddie pool. It's yeah, yeah, <laughs> in it's the like, circles. yeah. Yeah. It's, like key. it's just not the same. And, uh, I understand that feeling uh, very well. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, I have to pee.